Hey guys, welcome back at Affiliate Business Conversation. I'm your host, Aki Amam, and with me today is Eman Khan from Khan Media Group, a friend of mine who I met in Toronto, a super awesome dude, also big e-com guy, and we have so much in store for you guys today because we're going to talk about making the switch from actually getting having a job to becoming a six, seven, eight-figure entrepreneur even, and how to start off with your own e-com brand. And so... Let's just start off because I know Amon. Can, can you hear me well? First of all, let's 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 test. Yeah, it. yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, man. Welcome here today. So I know you've you've been a consultant before, which is six seven years ago, and you've made the switch to digital marketing to obviously to e-commerce, and you started off your journey as an entrepreneur. So let's just start off about that, and you can also do like a short background introduction for the audience and the people that don't know you um, or don't know you yet. Okay, yeah, thanks for the introduction, brother. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a pleasure meeting you, and like we've been like good friends ever since. Um, yeah, man, so uh, I started, um, I graduated from the high school university, had accounting finance background, and I got into um, management consulting, kind of accounting finance work. So I did it for almost like 13 years, and I was traveling about um, almost uh, 30 weeks a year for about 13 years, living at hotels, and I spent time in probably well over 500 private and public companies. I had clients like Apple, Bank of America, GE, Wells Fargo, um, Yankee Candle. I mean, tons of like high profile um, public companies and also like a lot of private companies, you know, that um, from manufacturing, tech space, e-commerce. Um, so that allowed me to kind of um, get like a pretty diverse um, understanding of a lot of different businesses and industries. And uh, going into these companies and analyzing these companies like from A to Z. And then uh, about six, seven years ago, um, I got into digital space. Um, it's more like I was kind of almost forced into it, forced into entrepreneurship. I was working an entrepreneur, I had an entrepreneur mindset. It just, I got in a situation where my dad got really sick um, and he was kind of um, at the, uh, he got diagnosed with ALS disease and I got um, fired from my consulting uh, company I used to work for. And uh, my mom didn't know how to drive and I, they required me to travel. One thing led to another. I got an argument with one of the partners and ended up firing me from my job. It was like my worst, it was just a horrible year. You know, it was very, very um, tough. So that year I literally used to um, drop my mom at the hospital and go to a nearby Starbucks and spend like 10, 12 hours a day um, just learning about digital marketing, like consume as much information as possible about the space, you know? Um, about drop shipping, how to run Facebook ads, Google ads, and, and anything, everything ended us on. Um, I just knew like where the world was headed, where industry was headed. Our retail stores were shutting down. I'm like, I need to get good at digital marketing. I need to be able to sell online. I need to have the skill where I can jump on my laptop and able to advertise around the world and sell my products around the world. And uh, so that first year, um, you know, I, I probably didn't make much money. I, I probably lost a little bit of money in my first year just because, um, you know, if you understand a learning curve, um, most people are so afraid to go, go to that learning curve. Um, and that's like where you basically build my foundation. I went through the learning curve because I'm pushing and then my second you know, uh, year, I made about $200,000. And after that, I just kind of going, started going up and up and up as I kind of started perfecting my, uh, my craft a little bit more and more and more and becoming like a really good um, digital marketer. And then, yeah, man, fast forward um, now, uh, like six, seven years later, um, I have tons of e-com stores. I do coaching. I have a digital marketing agency to provide services. Um, for a brand's companies, whether it's content or media buying, things like that too. Yeah, cool, man. So, so actually, that, that's kind of media group, right? And I know, obviously, we had this conversation before. 
but um, I, I know also you, you made like a good exit. So, and you know that about exit, about exit strategy. So, so maybe let's step into like today, like how to like, like build a brand maybe to, with an exit strategy, like what to, like what people need to have, have in mind if they're building not only a company, but like a brand, like the automation. It's not only like putting like, obviously like people can be good in, in Facebook ads or they can be good in copywriting, but it's not only like, it's basically just like a, a piece of, of the pie. So in the end, there's so much more uh, when, you're, you, when you want to have a good brand out there, you want to go for an exit. And, and I know you have experience in that. So maybe we can just go, like walk, like walk us through like what you did there with, with also with the brand building and obviously like the online curve. And the yeah, business. absolutely, man. Um, my, uh, from my consulting background in e-com, uh, I believe in something called the MVP, minimum buyer product. So when you start a business, um, you want to do as minimal as possible, basically to put it out into the market and get feedback. So whether you're developing an app or in this case, you think e-commerce brand. So uh, I typically, um, if I'm building a brand, I started with a dropshipping store uh, where obviously I'm not investing a lot, a lot of time and money into inventory. So um, that gives you kind of a little bit of leverage where like, you're not like wasting a ton of money and you can basically, you're able to test a product. So um, dropshipping a product without any type of um, branding on a label on it, just to see if the, what the market thinks of your product. So if on a dropshipping phase where you're investing a little bit of money and it could be anywhere from like couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars and you're just testing the market out. If that kind of goes well, um, then obviously, you know, you can um, step it up and kind of like take that product and work with the supplier, um, you can reach out to the manufacturer. Um, I, I, I suggest in the beginning, just um, taking an existing product and just private labeling it. It's low cost versus like manufacturing it from scratch. Um, that's a, makes the product a little more unique, but then it's gonna be much more costly because now this part of like, I want you to produce like 25,000 units. It's, it's just too much. So um, taking that and then um, you have to have a more of an omni-channel approach with building a brand versus like dropshipping. You like, you can have Shopify and Facebook ads and that's all you pretty much need, right? You can have a little bit of backend stuff too. Um, yeah. Building a brand, you got to get on Snapchat, you got to get on Facebook, you have Google, email marketing, um, SMS, so the full like 360 scope. Um, you don't do all my one time. You can maybe pick one or two channels and focus on just one or two channels. Like, for example, just you can start off with Facebook and like Google because they're the two biggest, I think, in my opinion, um, like uh, traffic sources out there. Um, they have the most users and the most, you know, visibility too. So um, then taking that and then um, what I've seen is um, and it, scaling it out uh, six months to a year and then just trying to get, you know, uh, brand awareness, get, get traction, get sales. Um, I've even seen like, brands that literally are not even profitable and still have an exit the fact they have revenue coming in and have a user base but they're not profitable they can still sell for like multiples multiples so uh, i did that with one of my um i had this brand um, it was a um it's a random like thing uh in a, in a viking niche and um you know like the show the viking so i basically had this uh, whole viking store it's called viking viking fury basically and uh, i took that store so i was drop shipping and then um over the course of like like two three months, I had like thirty thousand like loyal followers for this like biking stuff, and like I I, I didn't actually have any interest in that bike, yeah, biking yeah, stuff, yeah. <laughs> but I had loyal fans. And I was just like I was just like shocked and surprised like how much yeah, yeah. people love this stuff. I mean, I, I literally like let me I have one of these cups right here, like these are one of these. This is one of our products oh, right here. No shit, nice. Yeah, man. so this is like this is literally it's um, legit. That's legit. Yeah, this is. 
This is from India. This is made of buffalo and oxhorn, like real buffalo and oxhorn. Yeah. All these guys manufacture. It looks cool, stuff. man. It yeah. looks fucking cool. <laughs> but like, if you understand the Viking niche, people like, um, so like Buddhist stuff, they drink like beer and ale. They love this stuff. Like, mm, yeah. and they love this kind of stuff. And so big I, cups I, also. Yeah, I saw like people in Thousand Arms with this mug, and then I took this product, and then I'm like, well, what else can I do? I should literally find products and shoot like videos with my phone. And mm-hmm. I would send them out to like um, companies and they make videos of my of these products. I'll just put them online. Every time I put a product up, these the, the, the followers for this for like this niche were so loyal and hardcore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That like it was just insane. Like, you know, and they every time I throw something up, they were like just quickly buy it. So I kept on like scaling the store up to a point where like um I, I still I didn't feel a passion like with, with the store itself. I'm like it's a cool store, but like I wasn't like personally passionate about it. So I'm like let me try to sell it. So I found a broker and we worked out a deal and they basically put a valuation on it. And I ended up having like a, like a high six figure deal out of that store or whatever. And ended up selling it to another like a person. But um, yeah, man, I mean, it was just um, uh, literally just started drop shipping, uh, running Facebook ads and ended up turning into a brand almost like um, it, it, it was just like almost like accidental brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but so so, but I mean, like obviously, the, it's very cliche. Like you need to find a good niche, but it's I think what most people do wrong. Even I, I think for myself also, if I can if I can talk for myself, is you sometimes might think that things won't work because you have no interest in it, and it's because it's not our niche or like a Viking. I had no I had no idea upstairs like a niche of it, but. I had no idea like it could be like going so well because people definitely love this stuff and for, with this like how how would, how would you like show people how they can like find these niche products because I think in the end of the day um, what makes a good dropshipper is not only the ads but it's like you don't want to be the same like everybody else like how were you able to build the audience like the 30k followers it's obviously it's I don't even know brands now that that have 30k followers and have like a, <laughs> I don't like a cool brand or whatever. But like that, that's obviously like the things with people. What, what's the hardest part? Because if you build like a community around it, or like if you tap into community, then it's super easy. Well, it's easier. I'm not saying super easy, but easier to at least like sell the product or like find a product which works for them. Yeah, totally, man. Uh, so like this was uh, a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, like Facebook was a little less strict. The cost CPM is a little bit cheaper too. So um, what, what I did for this, in particular, was um, it was like a random idea. I created like um, I created ten Facebook pages, um, and one was like uh, like, a, like a pet niche, butterflies, unicorns, biking, and like cars. Like, and I literally ran like um, a bunch of like uh, really cheap like light campaigns each one of the pages. And I want to see. Um, and I just put like random pictures up on each page. I want to see which audience of these ten audiences was the most engaging and commenting and then i literally this was like by far like like a winner like it literally within like three four days i saw so much engagement on this page i was like holy shit this is insane so i just literally started focusing all my time and energy into this uh, i didn't have a store it was just a facebook page i didn't have a store yet this time yeah, yeah, so cool. out, out of the initial phase building the facebook page i just created a whole like biking shopify store and started putting products on there and started dropshipping stuff and like i literally the more i did it um, I wasn't running like campaigns anymore. I literally um, would just run like, you know, conversion campaigns. And so the more yeah. conversion campaigns I ran, um, the more and more like um, natural kind of organic um, likes and reaches and things like that I got. But um, uh, I find products for drop shipping. I, the way I find products is um, I don't find products that I like. I find products that I would think people like. Like, so 
like just because I like it doesn't mean like the general population is gonna like yeah, it. Yeah, so, that's what I mean with finding the people. How do you find a niche? Because we have obviously we have total different interests and also needs mm-hmm. and wants than than people. So how do you find like these type of products or like what what triggered you in that moment to be like hey or how do you get the ideas? You just test like hey I w- I'm gonna do like ten different pages out of the blue or how do you get like, like how do you see like see the light basically yeah yeah no yeah it's uh, uh drop shipping it's um you're, you're just foot testing a lot of stuff like i will launch sometimes 10 15 products a day one could be like a baby toy one could be like a household product one could be like a automotive product or whatever so you have to think about like china um china is pumping out like thousands of new products every single day that we in the usa in the western hemisphere have not seen yet not in the retail stores so um, we have spy tools. So we use these spy tools to get basically access to these products, and we're able to um, t- launch them on Facebook, set up like small budget campaigns, and then we'll launch a bunch of products at one time. Within about two three days of data coming in, you'll know right away like how the audience is reacting, just purely based on Crazy, yeah. all the like, database decisions. Yeah, you'll know right away. Like you look at the click through rates, the CPMs, like the CPC, and, the, and then the video. People are video being like you know. From 25 to 90%, five percent of the video, you'll learn like you'll learn pretty fast in two three days, and then you select one or two of the products, and you can start moving into the next phase where like okay, now I can possibly start expanding my um, interest on this and start like scaling these products out or whatever. But yeah, man, it's honestly it's um it's a lot of us. It's, it's kind of random, but like once you understand the system, that it's it's very like it's very it's very uh, chaotic, but it's chaotic in a very system systematic way. <laughs> the best way to put it. <laughs> Well, but actually, that's, that's a good thing. So you actually you waited for your for to, for people to see what the best click through rate was. That's your first step, basically. How your see how you how you see like your how your audience basically are is reacting to your product, and from there, you basically go deeper into that niche because you basically just look for one for one product CTR or a video or, or or the picture ad, and from there it's like okay, this this has a high CTR or higher than average than the other product that you tested. And and then you're like, okay, all let's say nine out of ten products. You said, okay, fuck these products. I'm not gonna do this. I'm just gonna focus on this type of products and then just have like a store built around it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, literally, um, out of all the products, all you need is one, two products to scale to like high five figures, six figures, and occasionally once in a blue moon, seven figure products or whatever. But if you get a bunch of like five, six uh, mm-hmm. figure products combined together, you can have like as a whole seven figure store. Um, you know, which I've done like before, but uh, yeah, man, it's just some um, a lot of products, and um, you got to phase one, testing a small budget, then you move to phase two, where now you start um, testing more creatives and uh, testing more interest, mm-hmm. and you literally figure out like what's working, what's not working, you kind of move it to the next phase. Yeah, I, th- I think this is like the, this is the, the 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 magic or like the magic key for for most dropshippers, like how to find it. But it's it's man, it's it's already like a good tip to how to find at least a good niche, and, and then. Go much deeper into that niche um but also like the the, the mvp you're talking about because i i was like i think in this industry a lot of people aren't really focusing well i'm not saying like a lot of people but a lot of people are just focusing on either just the conversions um or just sales basically or it doesn't matter if you're an affiliate marketer or an e-com like you're everyone's in general and just wanting to be like okay i just like dollar in how many dollars coming out like the ROAS or whatever everyone loves the words ROAS obviously but how do you find or how did you create your MVP business because I think this is also like a thing what I, I feel it's important also with affiliate business club and 
the things we want to put out there, um, testing what kind of products we, we just launched our platform. We want to learn some courses, like how do we test it out there? So how do you, how did you start with creating your MVP? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, so MVP, like a minimal, minimal buyer product. It's a, um, it's a book I read um, a couple years ago by Eric Lees. And it's just like, he basically talks about uh, if you have an idea, um, you want to get it, you want to do basically the minimum possible in a short period of time from like the point you have the thought in your brain, like to the point of launch, you want that to be as short as like, and fast as possible. So you get instant feedback from the market. So um, if you have an idea, you're spending like, weeks and weeks and months and months to get it launched. I mean, like you could have launched like hundreds of different ideas by then. That's way too much yeah. wasted time. You gotta like, I, when I, for me from point A to point Z from launching finding a product to launching a product, it literally takes me maybe two, three days max. Sometimes even 24 hours. You can get, you can get a store up probably. Um, I suggest in the beginning getting like a journal store up where you have like tons of different niches and different categories. So that way you're not restricted to one specific product, one specific niche. Um, so like, you know, I have your toys in there and baby stuff in there and this and that in there or whatever. So that's the best way to start. That's why I like, you know, I have a students I coach and I tell them all to start with a journal store. And if, if you find products from there, you can move them into like a niche store and then also a one product store too. By doing that, you actually, um, kind of helps increase convergence because now it's like niche focus or one product store focus or whatever too. So, um, yeah, man, um, finding products, um, and then also getting the creatives. Um, you know, a lot of times you can find creatives on the internets. Um, I don't, I don't condone like ripping, ripping creatives, but like you can have like, you know, I have uh, people on my team will like, will take existing creative and we'll chop it up and kind of make mm -hmm. new creatives out of those and shouldn't take yeah. more than like 24 hours max to do that. And then uh, setting up like some interest targeting. Um, I think a lot of people have um, a lot of trouble like interest targeting, how to like, hey, uh, like I, I launched like, for example, 50 interests for one campaign and took so I can split that different interests. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, 50 interests. And then uh, each interest will have about three different uh, creatives in there. Um, and how many dollars, how, how much would you like spend or like on average per creative or like per, per ad set, like for the audience? Uh, due to be honest, man, um, you probably don't need more than like, I would say $200 max, $100, $100 $200 to test mm -hmm. a product. So uh, I do typically CBO campaigns, campaign budget optimization. Yeah. So you can set a... Um, probably like a $23 campaign CBO, but like um, within $100 of spend, $150 dollars to $150 spend, even though it's $250, within $100 spend, you will know if that product is a winner or not, within $100 spend for sure. Because um, you probably get about 24 hours or like even like 12 hours, 24 hours, you'll know based off the data, the click-through, CPMs, and if you get any sales. If, if after 24 hours, you break even in the testing phase, um, that yeah. means like the product, even even slightly profitable, getting sales in, that means that the product is a potential winner. If you got like literally no sales, then I would just scrap that product and move on to the next pretty fast. Yeah, I, obviously that's a lot of people. It, it's the main things I want to ask is like, a lot of people always ask in general or want to know how how much they need to get started. Which I think with e-com, the easiest way to get started, it's, it's much easier than affiliate marketing. Um, at least you don't need a lot of like, yeah, you need a tracker or whatever with affiliate marketing and you find very <laughs> good ones. But I think with e-com, it's much easier, as you say, like to start off and to test with the niche. And I, I really like the fact that how you said, like started testing with like just a, a like campaign on Facebook. Like, I think it's, I think it's super funny. Like I would never <laughs> ever have, I've thought of it myself. I might, I might test it out um, myself soon. 
to just like see what kind of like niche I can I can tap into. But um, yeah, man, I, I think I think it's a it's a very like solid point, and um, it really like shows a lot of people how you can get started in a good, cheap, easy way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the most people they just want to start with a store with and spend let's say maximum 1k or, or whatever and then just start building from there because i know uh, you can just build your store and i think also what you, what you showed me um build on fiverr upward have someone build your store if you don't know how to do it and even if you don't have the knowledge it's super easy to just add add uh products on there but now it's, it's actually a valid way to start how you do it like how you how you get started so Man, we, we can like definitely like jump a little bit further into that because because obviously now now you've you've tested the product, you've tested the niche, you've you've found the niche, you've tested the product, and then you've moved into a solid, let's say, six-figure brand. Uh, you have obviously a couple of six-figure brands out there, some seven even uh, doing seven in revenue. Um, so, man, it's also good to know like how you build your team structure around it because obviously you're not a one-man show. Uh, I know you were in Chicago before. Now you're in LA, enjoying life in LA right now. But I know you, you have you Rock have a whole team. <laughs> rough days for everyone out here. Amsterdam's in lockdown. Cali's in lockdown. We're, we're all screwed now. We're in a very good spot. <laughs> but <laughs> I know you have you have your team. I yeah. I don't know how many people you said last time. I don't want to say the wrong number, but you have a big team in Chicago. Um, how were you able like to build it up? Because obviously, for a lot of people, they want to be that dream entrepreneur not working themselves anymore but scaling let's say from from one to five people is pretty easy from five to 15 you learn more but from let's say 20 plus it's a whole different ball game and i know you have a couple hundred people working for you so um yeah but let's step into that how did you like how were you able to build an empire a con media group empire <laughs> uh with so many people out there yeah definitely man um uh in the beginning, it was just me. So it starts off with only you. So I was, uh, you know, um, an advertiser, sitting at the store, selling the product pages, running the campaigns, um, cleaning the bathroom, sweeping the floor, everything, everything, wearing like uh, you know, hundred different hats. So like in the beginning, I'm a, I'm a believer is uh, I don't like, I don't like to outsource anything unless I know how to do it myself, at least to a certain. Or if I know how to do, it, at least like um, I have a good understanding of it. So like if I were going to say anyway, because I don't like for me to like. Um, outsource something I like I don't like being taken advantage of so I, I need to understand the subject and make sure like you know at least like I said I, like SEO, SEO for example like I, I understand what it is and I know what it does obviously I don't do SEO myself but I'll outsource SEO you know things like that too I crush Facebook ads media buying I'll do it myself but like um, if I need to outsource it I know like what the data what data look at what what um, how to set up accounts properly and how to obviously optimize properly so um, I think uh, I'm doing it myself. And then um, once I think you, you can probably do it about a, I would say about a six figure store uh, by yourself. You're able to do it yourself. Um, I think, I think anything past that um, you're going to um, burn out like pretty fast. That's what I did. Um, so that vacuum store is what actually kind of happened. Um, I was scaling that store and I scaled up so damn fast. And I didn't have my customer service set up properly. Um, so I was really getting- tap into that. Oh customer man, yeah, service. my customer service. Dude, like I had so much, like so many emails coming from people and like I had no, um, like no Zendesk and Gorgeous. Like I wasn't using any platform. I had emails coming, it was literally a Gmail account. And I was like getting all these emails. So like I was, uh, you know, during that year, just like this is a couple like years and years ago, I would literally 
get so many emails. I'll be up for like three, four, five in the morning, every single day answering emails. And I do try to do everything myself, like from fulfill orders to like customer service, to run ads, to this, and a workout gym four or five days a week. It was just, it was just so, it was way yeah, too much. Yeah, yeah. So I started, you know, obviously um, kind of uh, reading resources, books and like that, how to build systems. And then I ended up finally hiring my first VA from Upwork. Um, and she did like um, uh, customer service. Um, it was one VA, it was customer service and order fulfillment. So uh, she would go in and basically answer all the emails and then kind of fulfill orders to the day. And we fulfill orders through, um, I think back then I was using Overlo. Um, mm-hmm. There's also Dropify too, which is another, um, uh, it's a product importer app and it allows you to fulfill yeah. orders. So from that, um, I think I ended up hiring another like two, three VAs for my um, one to do like uh, more just customer service work and also another one to do product research as well too. So I ended up getting two, three VAs after that. And then from there, you know, um, I think I ended up selling the store after like, I was like six months to a year. So like just two, three, um, two, three VAs, I, I just kept for my next company, my next brand or whatever. And I started kind of like, I'm like, okay, I think I think I got this. I stepped back. I, I didn't like even build another store. And I'm like, okay, I need to get some systems ready before I work on this store because I know I can scale this stuff really, really fast. If I do it, I'm like, if you don't have systems set up properly, it's, it's just going to break. So you gotta stress test your systems to make sure you have enough people in there. Uh, a lot of people like I think the solo entrepreneur thing is it's not sustainable. It doesn't work. You got you gotta have a team. Man. You burn out. You burn out after a while, right? It's because it's man. I've also been a solo entrepreneur. I think everyone who starts, it's like the grind is fucking real. And as you say, you do man. everything, um, and you you keep, you keep putting yourself up with with good energy and trying to talk yourself into the good stuff, but it's super fucking hard, man. It's so fucking hard. It's hard, bro. You got to, man. You gotta, you gotta outsource. You have to realize that you can't do everything yourself. Nobody becomes successful without other people's help. So you have to build a team. You have to get partners. Um, you gotta be more open-minded. Like the whole like doing everything. It's it's not doable, bro. Like just it doesn't work. It's not effective. You can do like maybe a small scale. If you want a big company, um, you need like you need systems. So me going out and hiring like I hire a lot of BAs, for example, in the Philippines and India and. Um, it's just, you know, these guys work just as hard, even harder than the people here in the USA. And they're just, um, um, you know, it just, a lot, it's, it's cheap labor too, obviously. And they work really hard too. So like, you can hire a lot of people for really cheap labor as well too. And they, they work their butt off, you know, they um, have families to feed, things like that too. I give all my employees bonuses too, because they work their butt off and they have team calls every week too. But like, yeah, hiring like, um, like customer service people, I think your first couple hires should be, and number one, you should be. Um, your customer service and then probably order fulfillment should be like one of your first hires. Mm-hmm. But as long as you, as like, if they can't handle it, obviously like if you have a higher volume, then you need to hire maybe one more customer service and one more order fulfillment person. So together collectively, they're able to um, satisfy all the stuff orders coming in, you know, and the questions coming in for um, a store or whatever. Then hiring, um, uh, I think uh, your customer, as you, as you get more and more stores, I think your customer service people um, is going to be super, super crucial. So like having like, I mean, I've had like 15, 20 customer service people at one time, um, basically managing a lot of stores because as you build more and more stores out, obviously you're going to get more and more like, you know, um, uh, customer, customer service tickets. So you have to obviously um, satisfy those. So having a big customer yeah, yeah. service team and kind of getting a customer retention because obviously if you're not answering the customer's emails, like I have a rule, like some KPIs, like you need to answer a customer email within like 20, 24 to 48 hours max, typically within 24 hours, because yeah. I just, um, 
you know, I just get annoyed already. I mean, 24, now I know obviously COVID and everything, right? But let's say 48 hours with no reply and something's up. I'm like, these guys are fucking with me, right? They're like, something's up. Yeah, people freak out, man. They're like, oh shit, it's a scam, you know, it's a scam or just kind of people like, people are just so used to like Amazon, like 24 hour, 40 hour, 72 hour yeah. shipping and fast customer yeah, service. At home, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazon raised the bar for everybody. For everybody yeah, man. Amazon raised the bar. So now it just like for the rest of us, we kind of have to like, um, I mean, we can't get to the Amazon level right now. Obviously, they're a multi billion dollar. They have spent billions of dollars in their system, so but uh, yeah. being as close to you know Amazon as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, probably so you get the customer service people, product research people. Um, I have product um, have sourcing agents too in China too that find yeah. products or work with suppliers to get better pricing on products too. Um, then uh, and then one of your big hires is also like a project manager who overlooks all these people. So the project manager mm -hmm. reports everybody and the team reports to the project manager. And the project manager reports to me. So like, I'm not dealing with like 50, 100 people. I'm only dealing with one person. That one person yeah, reports yeah, yeah. to me. Perfect. So that's like a very important key hire too. Project manager is maybe a little more pricey to hire because um, it's much more responsibility. And um, they're, you know, it's uh, overlooking uh, quite a, like a big piece of your business. And they obviously get um, almost like uh, inside access to some of your personal financials and things like that too as well. Yeah, man. Because actually, that's it's 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 funny to say project manager. Because actually, for for me, a VA and a project manager were one of the first hires, even fresh in the business club. Because it's someone to just control everything that's coming into your mind, <laughs> and from there, this person is just talking to the rest. But I think this is it's a great tip for everybody out there running their ecom store. Because um, I know obviously, customer service is just the most headache. You can have <laughs> it will burn you up it will it like for sure but uh yeah man i think i think this is this is definitely a super good tip for for people out there um how to get started um and and because we 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 also i know like not we but i know you did uh an exit you've worked with exits what's like if you could like say like three tips how to automate your business for an exit strategy or like what would you give like the people out there as, as a tip? Yeah, man. Um, if you want to have a successful exit, um, you definitely, um, number one is like kind of we talked about, you definitely have systems in place. It just makes um, the sell, the sale, a little more, um, the transaction a little more, much more cleaner and smooth um, versus like if you're messy. So now like the buyer has to spend all this time and money setting up systems because you didn't like obviously do it for yourself, you know? So, Having systems in place, um, also like having like the right um, buyer who understands your business could be crucial too. Um, somebody you like, you know, um, who understands your industry, somebody who understands e-commerce, how it works, because a lot of times the e-commerce, um, especially building a brand, you might go to a phase in the beginning where you might be um, going to, you know, you have your customer acquisition costs. You might be losing a little money a little bit in acquiring customers because they're learning about your brand. So like, uh, yeah. might not be profitable right away off the bat. So like somebody understands that, but then just because it's not profitable does not mean like it doesn't, the value doesn't have brand, like it doesn't have brand equity, doesn't have user base, you know, like look at companies like Uber and Lyft and even Airbnb, they're not profitable, bro. Yeah, they want yeah. IPO, like Airbnb more profitable than IPO, right? They're not I know, they're, they're <laughs> like a loss, right? Like, I don't know, hundreds of millions in debts yeah. basically. But uh, so the investors know that and then they go into it and invest anyways because um, they know eventually the company will become profitable because they have such a loyal following and user base that 
they can have different products and services come out in the future that will make them profitable. So, and it's cash flow, right? Cash flow is coming in. As long as cash flow is coming in to pay off the monthly expenses, um, they don't care. I mean, they'll, they'll sell, sell it or whatever. So, yeah, man, finding the right buyer, having systems, finding the right buyer, um, what understands the industry. And also, I would say, um, just, uh, I mean, getting you know, a good price out of it. It's like, you know, obviously, if you, if you work your butt off and um, you don't want to obviously um, get low balls on the offer either. Um, you want to make sure you get your, you know, um, your worth, obviously. Um, so like having um, um, different buyers will give you different valuations on your business. This this buyer um, maybe don't see your business, maybe don't see the vision. It might give you like it might a low ball. You'll give you like a small offer. So mm -hmm. I think uh, being like patient and testing the market and finding out which buyer works best with your business and gives you the highest valuation. It's super, super crucial as well, too. So probably, I would say those are like probably three things. Uh, I, I think it's just like all the, the systems. I think the systems is one of the most important parts because you don't want to be needed anymore, at, definitely at one point. And everything, like the SOPs and everything, just need to be in place for everybody because mm -hmm. obviously they're there, as you said, like they're buying the customer base with loyalty, but also like the process and the system. So they they buying that, that part of knowledge. That's actually why Amazon bought like logistic companies, right? They just... Well, I like a food chain company was, I think, like who was super good in, in logistics because they just want to gather the knowledge how they did something. So if you have mm -hmm. these things in place, definitely um, it's 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 one of the keys to success. Man, I think I think we talked a lot about different things from the part how you actually can find the right niche first, then the, then the right product, then the right people. And then for the exit, I think this is this is one of the actually three different um, things which, which are very important for, for every entrepreneur out there. Um, so you have like three different phases actually we discussed, which I think for everyone out there is super valuable um, to at least get started and to look into these ideas because obviously it goes much, much deeper. Uh, I know we had a couple of conversations one-on-one -on -one when, when we met each other and also like now on, on Zoom calls sometimes where, just, where we go super deep and we just like sit down and just think like, yeah, man, what's what this? And we just talk, and then uh, I think it's 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 one of the nicest things to meet people like you and what this industry is all about um, for me personally. And I hope everyone definitely gets to meet you one day who listens to this podcast because I think uh, the way you 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 stand in life and you are as a person, I think it's it's a very good example. Um, obviously, you you made your money, you've been you are successful, and you've made your cash, but you're enjoying now through all these systems and all the hardship you've been through. So, man, I think we, we it's, it's a good time to wrap up. Um, we, we, and, and we obviously gonna, at least I hope we're gonna do one again, maybe next year or, or something. And at least we get to see each other um, next year. Cause I think this is- Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it will be super cool, man. Thank you so much for being on Affiliate Business Conversations. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up once again. We had Amin Khan from Khan Media Group. And I hope to see you guys again soon. It's a pleasure, man. Thank you.